0: To do our role properly, we need to be aware of everything that is happening in the company.
1: I, I agree that more pay um, can be justified, especially if the IRO is taking on most of the ESG work.
2: While the average IRO received a 10% increase in total cash compensation, CPIRs had a 58% increase.
1: Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast. I'm your host, Burke Simon, head of company services. In this episode titled Investing in IR, we will be discussing the changing role of investor relations and how this has impacted IRO's responsibilities and pay. Joining me for this discussion is Yvette Locker, President and CEO of Siri, and Isabel Ajahi, Vice President of Investor Relations and Sustainable Development at the Lion Electric Company. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Burke,
0: and thanks to uh, TSX for giving us the opportunity to discuss this topic.
1: It's a pleasure having you both here. So before I started um, with the exchange, um, that was about four years ago, I was an IRO for over 15 years. And during that time, there was a lot of change in where IROs drew their experience from, what their educational background was, and, and how they were rewarded. So this topic of responsibilities and compensation is very interesting to me personally, as I'm always curious as to how the profession is evolving. So with that, let's start with talking about IR organizational hierarchy. So typically who within the company does the IRO report to and how does this differ by by market cap? Isabel, maybe I'll start with you.
0: Sure, well, uh, uh, I think that uh, typically you would see an event should be able to confirm that. uh, The IROs will most of the time report to CEO or uh, CFO. But I think the the most important point is not so much for the uh, uh, IRO reports to, but whether the IRO has, has just sit at the table. So what I'm saying table, I mean both management team and uh, a direct interaction with, with the board of directors. And if I uh, think of my own career, I have sometimes reported to the CEO, sometimes reported to the CFO. And at the end of the day, let me tell you that it doesn't make any huge difference. All I want is to be a part of the management team, which is the case, uh, as we speak.
2: I couldn't agree with you more as I think it's really important for an IRO to have a seat at the, t- at the table with management and the board, and they need that in order to be effective in their role. Uh, one of the ways that we are seeing that is by IROs reporting to the C-suite so that they're having that level of engagement directly with the leadership. So as you may know, Siri conducts an investor relations responsibilities and compensation survey every two to three years. And we just published our latest edition and we are seeing exactly that. So 88% of IROs surveyed report into the C-suite and 34% are reporting directly to the CEO, while 54% are reporting directly to the CFO. So I think that reporting relationship is really important for uh, underscoring the value that investor relations can bring to the table. And if yeah. I may add, uh, this is really a
0: huge step forward because when I started um, in IR 25 years ago, very often IR was an extension of marketing or public relations. And back then, I remember it used to be a, a topic we were discussing at IR conferences. And uh, I was looking uh, a few days ago, the 2004 Siri conference program, and one of the, the main sessions was entitled our changing role and getting a seat at the table. So I think this is a, a discussion that is not 100 percent, but uh, almost behind us now.
1: Yeah, I agree with you both. I mean, the profession has evolved into a recognized strategic role now. And an IRO's primary goal as it relates to their advancement, I think, should be to have a seat at the board table and IROs that do have a seat at the board table are usually deemed to be more experienced and in return. This experience um, will lead to, to more pay. So speaking about more pay, um, is there a defined range in terms of what IROs are paid? And Yvette, from the series survey, what does the link between market cap tell us?
2: Sure, so we're actually seeing a really broad range in terms of compensation. So it can be um, less than $50,000. Dollars all the way up to well over $300,000, and it really depends on what role the IR professional is playing within the IR department, but also the organization. So as you would expect, the more senior the position, the higher the the compensation. Um, So we did take a really close look at this and in fact have uh, made this part of our survey much more robust. So when we look at compensation, we're looking at salary, bonus, stock options, and other long-term incentives. And the average total cash compensation for all IROs surveyed is $223,000. And that's up 10% from the last time we published this report in 2019. Now, Burke, you asked a question about the market cap and whether that's linked at all to compensation. And it, definitely, we're seeing that. So, we look at compensation at uh, with four different bands for market cap, and we're seeing a direct correlation. So, the higher your market cap, the higher the average cash compensation.
0: And I think just to add to what Yvette just mentioned, the difference probably mostly comes uh, with the S tip and the A tip. Um, and in, this makes a sense because most senior IROs tend to have a role to play. In the definition and the implementation of the strategy. So it is just logical that they they, they get a part of the uh, reward attached to, uh, to that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that and we sense. are seeing that. We are seeing huge uh, differences in those L tip and S tips, uh, depending on where the, the person falls within the organization in terms of seniority.
1: Yes, I think that makes sense. I mean, the bigger the company, the more pay, Um, the size of the company would obviously impact IR budgets, I'm guessing as well. And we'll, we'll look at that. uh, We'll look at that correlation later, later on the podcast. But I want to switch gears a bit and speak to a very hot topic here of gender equality. So are you seeing a gender gap in terms of uh, the compensation?
2: Yeah, so we've been watching this for many, many years. And sadly, we still see a gap. Um, Each time we do the survey, that gap seems to tighten a little bit. So that's a positive. Uh, This time around, average male IRO earns total cash compensation of $246,000, while female IROs earn $206,000. So that's a $40,000 pay gap, which has shrunk 11% or $5,000 from the last survey.
1: It's good to see the gap narrowing although I don't believe it's fast enough. Um, I wonder if this is because historically most of the women in IR came from a communications or PR background versus a finance background and I would assume that people with a finance background were compensated better. Yvette, I think you'll speak to the backgrounds in the next question but do you have any data from the series survey that would support my assumption that Women tend to have a communications or or, or a PR background versus a financial one coming into IR.
2: You're right, Burke. It it isn't closing fast enough, first off. Um, and secondly, you're, you're right. There are uh, more males with a finance background in IR um, than females. And then on the uh, female side, you see more women with a communications background. Although that's changed significantly over the years, that's uh, certainly... Shifting away from communications and more to finance for both genders
1: Right So thinking about those total compensation numbers, you know from a CEO's point of view are IROs deserving of such compensation? And uh, and if so why and Isabel, maybe I'll turn it to you to answer of this Of course one. we do.
0: Of course we do. That's <laughs> a, <it's laughs> sense. And of course I'm preaching for 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 my own parish here, but uh, I do believe we do and joke aside Uh, I think that uh, uh, our role has really evolved over the years. Uh, We just uh, discussed from being a conveyor of press releases to now being part of uh, the strategy, having a seat at the table, being in interaction with the board, our role has completely changed, and uh, this should rightfully be reflected in our compensation.
2: As Isabel said, the the role shifted from a tactical one to a strategic one. And we've seen that over the years, Uh, not only while I've been at Siri, but while I was in investor relations myself previous to to joining the team, Um, the best IROs are able to convey the company's story while also gathering intelligence, which from various capital market participants, which would inform internal strategic decision making And so if we look at the background of IROs, most, about 87% have a business or finance educational background, and an outstanding number, I was shocked by this, 84% hold at least one designation. And the most common designations are CFA, CPIR, and accounting.
1: Well, it's definitely nice to see the CPIR designation regularly appearing um, in qualification expectations for IROs. I think having this type of recognized designation for the IR role is, is really proof of how much this profession um, has changed over time. So let's dig into that a little bit and, and and now that has changed over time, how have the responsibilities of IROs evolved, say in the last three years? And Isabel, I'll turn it to you to answer this one first.
0: Well, uh, I think our uh, scope of responsibilities as indeed expanded and you now see more and more the uh, investor relation role being coupled to that of treasurer, business development, strategic development, or in my case, for example, ESG. Uh, And these are all elements that are really crucial to the the, the growth of a company. So in some companies, and probably Vetas uh, may have some data on that, uh, this position uh, uh, even is a rotational one and a must on the career path to becoming a CFO or a CEO. And this is not um, uh, surprising because as I always said, and whenever I'm questioned on my role, I love to repeat that again and again. Uh, to do our role properly, we need to be aware of everything that is happening in the company. We're gonna be questioned on operations, finance, HR, IT procurement, to name it. So I truly think that uh, this role is one of the best calls uh, for a top uh, executive uh, position.
2: Picking, on, uh, picking up on what Isabel said, an IRO does wear many hats, and it's interesting over the years that we've been doing this survey, each year we see new responsibilities being added to the IRO's plate. Um, it's really interesting, the investor relations role because there is always something new to learn. And and that's what IROs are doing. We've seen a significant surge in this particular survey in IROs taking on responsibility for ESG. So Isabel, case in point, has ownership of sustainability in her role. Uh, In fact, we're seeing that with many IROs. So 55% of IROs engage with investors on ESG, 50% write or edit the company's ESG or sustainability report, 30% complete ESG surveys, And 28% developed the company's ESG or sustainability strategy. So that's a significant increase in responsibility in a new area that really wasn't there previously. And so as a result, what we're seeing is there's greater engagement with the IRO, with the board and the C-suite, you know, just coming full circle to what we talked about at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, I think this is a bit of a two-edged sword here because good IROs typically wear lots of hats. As you both pointed out, you know if they could prove that they can do it all, then they're going to have more responsibilities added. I remember in my IR career, I worked for many companies where I was a one-person IR team that did not only IR but you know internal communications, PR, ESG, and so on. So as long as companies recognize the added responsibilities that IROs have and compensate them fairly, I think obviously it's a good thing. And I believe the survey is showing us that IR responsibilities are increasing, and uh, and so is their pay. So, I alluded to budgets uh, earlier on in the um, in the podcast. I just want to come back to that now. Have budgets kept pace with the expanded responsibilities, and has compensation kept up with these expanded responsibilities?
0: Well, I think we, we still are a, a good deal, and uh, we more and more have uh, double roles. I just discussed, but we don't necessarily um, have double salaries. So still, uh, in spite of that, uh, I cannot deny that we have come a long way. Uh, there is still room for improvement, but the good news is that with the, the number of companies going public, either uh, via the traditional IPO way or via SPAC, which was the case, for example, at Lion, we, IROs, uh, we and particularly the one we, we have more than five years of experience, we are in high demand. So let me tell you that this makes uh, the compensation discussion much easier. If we um, now talk about budgets, with expanded responsibilities, quite often higher budget, but I don't think that uh, the real uh, value of an uh, IRO is is a reflection of uh, of the budget uh, they are dealing with. I think that recognition comes with the ability of the investor relation officer to be responsive, knowledgeable in its interaction with the street and its ability to know who its target audience is, which, yes, can be uh, made easier with the use of specific tools, but it really is uh, fundamental of the job we
2: do. So we've seen compensation increase 10% for the average IRO over a three-year span. So. Definitely an increase, not not a significant increase. And so, does this justify the additional responsibilities that an IRO has today? That's the big question. Um, given that there's so much demand on in, uh, on investor relations in terms of investor demand for ESG information, which is one of the key areas where IROs have increased responsibility, I think that you could justify a higher increase in compensation. On the budget side, we have seen an increase as well. So it's increased 6% over the three years, despite the pandemic. So I think, you know, there are other circumstances that would have impacted budget uh, over the last three years. Um, average budgets for IR is $830,000, which excludes any overhead, but includes the, the team's compensation.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree that more pay Um, can be justified, especially if the IRO is taking on most of the ESG work, you know, I think that's a huge time commitment now. ESG in itself, you know, that's a role completely in in itself. So I think, you know, more pay specifically for those IROs that do both IR and ESG um, can definitely um, be justified. I want to talk a little bit about how IROs are feeling. So, you know, we've talked about the budgets and the compensation, but From what you two are seeing and hearing, are they generally satisfied with their compensation?
0: Well, never enough. (laughs) You ask me, (laughs) I can tell you uh, right away. I'm sure that uh, many IROs would answer the same. Always room for improvement. We do have a real opportunity to be compensated besides receiving a best salary by an L tip and an S tip. And this, let me tell you, re ensures that we have a vested interest in the growth of the company while tying uh, our personal uh, financial growth to that of the company?
2: From our our standpoint, I'm not sure that IROs are satisfied with their compensation specifically, but we did ask how satisfied they are with their role and 72% rated uh, their satisfaction a four or a five out of five. And what we saw was that satisfaction increased with market cap, which is not surprising because larger companies tend to have more resources uh, and they also tend to enjoy higher compensation. And then we also saw that uh, satisfaction increased with seniority.
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to that fine balance between all the responsibilities that IRO has and and the pay. You know, if an IRO is asked to take on more and more with little change in pay, they're just not going to be happy. I agree that the role itself is an exciting one, uh, when, you know, with constant access to the C-suite. So I can see how satisfaction there there is high. So I think we're coming to the end of the podcast, and uh, I just wanted to ask both of you, you know, if you have any advice that you could give to you know IRO IROs that are listening uh, to this uh, podcast that want to progress um, in their career. And, and really how IROs can, can demonstrate value in their organization. So Isabel, I'll turn to you.
0: Well, our role is about making sure that analysts and investors, they have the right information to make investment decisions and recommendations, whether the decision is to buy or sell a stock. We are not about uh, marketing a company. Uh, so standing out in the eyes of capital markets is about being responsive, candid, but it's also about trying new things and thinking outside of the box to share the information with them. So we we need to be creative and proactive in the way we communicate with analysts and investors. And the reason why we have to do that is that there are close to 3,000 companies listed on the TSX and the TSXV. The question we should all try to answer on a daily basis is why my company? Why should investors invest in my company and not others? And I think that this uh, this knowledge of the company, the industry, this uh, this candor and this transparency are key in achieving that uh, objective.
2: I think that's great advice, Isabel. Uh, I'm going to take a bit of a different perspective just given where I sit at Siri and focus on professional development. So I strongly feel that people who are looking to progress in investor relations should consider taking the Siri Rotman Investor Relations Certification Program. It's a program that is curated specifically for IROs. Not only does it increase your knowledge and understanding of IR and all the related areas, ESG included, it challenges you to think strategically. Uh, In fact, we did take a look specifically at the compensation of CPIR designation holders at the same time as uh, we were collecting the other information. And while the average IRO received a 10% increase in total cash compensation, CPIRs had a 58% increase in total cash compensation. So there are a number of factors driving that, uh, one of which is that we had a a significant increase in number of CPIRs that participated in this survey. But despite that, it's clear that compensation has increased for the CPIRs much more than it has for the uh, average iro so in my opinion the program is certainly well worth the investment
1: thanks Yvette and you know i i took the cpir in 2012 i think and that was the that, that was the first tranche of students and uh you know regardless of where your ir experience is there's always something to learn and uh, you know i've gained a lot from it so definitely support uh, what you're saying about cpirs so that's the end of our podcast. You know, I really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Thank you so much for participating in today's discussion. Um, I'm just going to open the mic again. Do you have any final thoughts or key takeaways uh, for our listeners before we say bye?
0: Well, as I said, uh, investor relation, uh, for me, it's, it's the best job that for that of the CEO. And the good news is that we don't have to stress uh, added to our, our accountability. So that's a, a career worth considering for sure.
2: Um, I would just recommend taking a a look at the IR community and making sure that you're really engaged uh, with this group. When I joined investor relations, uh, many years ago, I was so impressed with this community and how open they are with sharing ideas and insights. It really seems like such a unique characteristic of a profession. And so whether you're a one-person IR team like Burke was or you have a team of six, I really encourage you to get involved with the IR community. You really will get more from it than you put in.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Isabel Yvette.
2: Thanks, Burke. This was great. Thanks for having us. Thank
0: you.